It's Stale Bubblegum, and this is Jason Stark. Hello, and welcome to Stale Bubblegum. I am completely floored that this gentleman has agreed to go on our little podcast. <laughs> uh, when I think of superheroes, I think of Tony Stark. And when I think of baseball, I think of Jason Stark. <laughs> and when I think of segues, I don't think of the one that I just gave. But uh, Jason, it's a, a pleasure having you on here. John, it's great to be on here. I, like, how do you know that Tony Stark and I are not the same person? I, I know. Uh, you were kind enough to lend a forward to my moving forward book, which uh, six <laughs> people bought and really enjoyed, I think. <laughs> um, it was a highlight of my year. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, you you did write a forward about being Tony's brother, and it was awesome. Um Talk to me about this baseball offseason. I want to get into the Hall of Fame, which is kind of like the culmination of like a baseball offseason. But this has been, as a non-sports writer and Hall of Famer, like such as yourself, um, what do you make of this insane uh, offseason that we've had? Well, you know, it hasn't just been about all the money going to shortstops and people named Aaron Judge. It, uh, one of the most amazing parts about it, John, was the pace of it. Yep. You know, we're so used to the baseball offseason just plodding along. Nothing ever happens. Nobody ever gets signed. It's brutal. Yep. And uh, I like I, I think back to 2019 when Manny Machado and Bryce Harper both signed their $300 million contracts after spring training had started. Yep. So this was way better. Um, yeah, all of the big free agents actually signed before the holidays with a little asterisk for Carlos Correa, who signed both before and after the holidays because <laughs> <laughs> he kept signing and then unsigning. Um, so there was all of that, um, just the, the, the frenetic pace, you had a labor deal that was done. You had the presence of a gazillionaire and Steve Cohen who literally does not care how much money he spends. Um, and those are the forces that drive free agency to places like we've seen this market go. You mentioned Korea, and, and we've never seen anything like the whole Korea thing. I mean, the amount of money that he he had, that he lost, that he got, and then he lost and that he got, it's insanity. I, I mean, he had... As, as strange as an offseason as he had, where he was a giant, actually was in San Francisco ready to go to the press conference, and then mm -hmm. that deal didn't happen. And then the owner of the Mets did that thing that never happens, like where he's in the middle of his vacation in Hawaii. Scott Boris calls him. He gets talked into not just bidding on Carlos Correa, but basically giving Scott Boris whatever he wanted. You know, slight discount from what the Giants were going to pay just to make it look good uh, without ever bothering to, to really check on the physical or what caused the Giants deal to fall through. And then admitting to the New York Post with his name on it, that right. they had done this deal and basically said, I don't care what anybody thinks. And then it turned out he did care because they brought in the same doctor who voided the physical with the giants who voided this one too and the next thing you know career was back in minnesota so you've got all of that hanging over him but i mean the 
what is intriguing now is where does this guy go from here, John? Um, <laughs> did the did the Twins get this incredible bargain because they are willing to overlook the stuff that the other teams wouldn't overlook? Or is Carlos Correa a breakdown waiting to happen? It's really hard to say. I haven't seen the medicals. Um, he didn't miss a single game with this particular injury that cost him all those millions of dollars last season. So it, the whole thing is just weird. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stories because uh, you could be healthy this year and then fall apart next year. And by next year, you'll forget everything that happened this past year and be like, ah, okay. Um, well, I don't know about that. <laughs> did you did you enjoy the holidays, or were, was was your phone just like blowing up the entire time? No, I, actually, almost everything had happened. Okay, before the holidays arrived, so the holidays were good. I, you know, the holidays can be they can be stressful. Um, I used to be uh, when I was at ESPN. I used to be the official on call reporter on Thanksgiving. Oh man, and. I, I honestly used to live in terror that Scott Boris would work right through the turkey and the stuffing and, and sign some huge free agent. And I would have to leave the table on my favorite holiday of the year and go on TV and write a story or whatever. But we, we had a couple of minor things. He never really blew up the holiday. Uh, he's been known to blow up some holidays in the past, some other holidays, but this year was pretty peaceful for the most part. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to jump ahead because I know that you've you've covered the the winter meetings and the off season a lot, and I know you've also covered the the whole you know Hall of Fame a lot. But for me, who who I used to write a lot about like the Oscars and all that, and I had and I still kind of do. I have like this ritual on Oscar nomination morning where like I sit down, I have my cup of coffee, I have like. Um, a piece of paper to my left and a pen and I write down all the nominees and like, it's kind of a ritual. Like everyone has to leave me alone and I write down all the categories and I compare it to like all the predictions that I had. And I'm just curious, like when you get your ballot in the mail for the hall of fame, like, and you, I, I would assume it's kind of like, I, I don't know. You're kind of staring at it, but you're not, you know, you're not, you're probably deciding on when the perfect time is to fill it out and all that. I want to know that process. Like right. when you decide like, okay, I'm going to sit down. I'm going to, I'm going to vote for X or whatever. Well, you know, I'm, uh, I'm so immersed in the hall of fame uh, every year. I mean, I'm kind of in the hall of fame and the writer's wing of the hall of fame. I feel very connected to that place and to Cooperstown. And I take it really seriously yeah. um, to the point where before I even get the ballot, I have gone through the names and tried to figure out who's going to be on this ballot. Uh, one of the big plot lines we need to watch. Um, I'm I am ready when the ballot arrives. It, it, it literally arrives in the mail. And then the next step is, um, you know, depending, like different ballots look different. There wasn't a, a lot. There weren't a lot of first time names on this year's ballot that I had to spend hours and hours and hours on, but Carlos Beltran made up for that pretty much by himself. Right. But what I like to do is um, I have a, a notebook and I write down the names of the players that I know that I really need to spend time on. 
I will devote time to every single name on that ballot because they earned that. Uh, but some take less than others. You know, it's just, you, you know, who's a real candidate and who you're just looking at because you should. Right. Um, and every year I write down the, the those names, whatever, however long the list is, it could be five, it could be eight, it could be 10. And then I will do the work on those names, not necessarily all in one day, but as I go along through the winter. So I know not necessarily exactly who I'm voting for, but who I need to let percolate in my okay. brain. And this year, that guy was Carlos Beltran. I just couldn't decide. I couldn't decide what was the right way to, to handle this player. Because as a player who was viewed as a center fielder because he spent the majority of his career playing center field, he was a clear Hall of Fame baseball player. But then there was this other plot line that involved the 2017 Astros, um, one of the most notorious teams now of all time because they stole signs with technology and banged on trash can lids. And he was painted by the commissioner's office as not just a guy on that team, but as a ringleader. Yep. And so what was the appropriate way to handle a cheater like him? Who otherwise would be a hall of famer and that you know there's like nobody really tells you what the answer is to these sorts of questions we have to wrestle through them ourselves as humans and it was a really 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 long process for me this year it held up my ballot for a long time i did not take it to the post office until late in the afternoon of December 29th. It must be postmarked by December 31st because we vote by mail. That's the only way you're allowed to vote. I know what century it is, but that's what we do. I like that though. I mean, it, it, there is like kind of, um, is there a sense of like, when you drop it in the mail slot, is there a sense of pride when you drop it in? There must be. I handed it to the... You had the post office. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Wasn't going to take a chance. Sure. Yeah. Not showing up. It means too much. Uh, yeah. But it's a big moment. Um, yeah. I, you know, I don't just throw it in the mailbox. I get in my car and I drive to the post office and I hand it to a human being because it's, it's important. And, you know, everybody makes fun of us. There's, you know, there's a lot of, there's this thing called technology we could use. <laughs> we, don't, we don't use that thing. Uh, and I actually, I was up in Cooperstown all last week uh, for the Hall of Fame announcement. And we talked about it there. And people at the Hall told us that there's a reason that they do it this way. Um, that they still believe that if you do it by email or some sort of electronic voting, there are... There, there are just too many ways it can be hacked or messed with. And this is, you know, it's, it's a sport with many, 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 many years of tradition. And they're honoring the tradition of voting by mail at the Hall of Fame. Now, they, there's a lot of safeguards now with, with your vote. I mean, it's, there's a, there's a, Ernst & Young is taking control of the process. Your vote is as a as a number and like a watermark and <laughs> you can't just write a bunch of names down on a piece of paper and throw them in the mail right um they know it's you who voted but it's a, the whole thing is uh 
is quite the process and it it sticks with me it hangs over me for over a month it does i love it and were you were you uh were you pleased uh with with the end result like with roland getting in uh i i personally was uh, i've known scott roland since he was 20 years old uh, yeah i mean you, the you Phillies when he broke in yeah, i mean um, you've been writing about the phillies forever so like yeah right so i i mean i i, I don't think that there's ever been another Hall of Fame player before in my time who I first met and talked to before he had played a single game in the big leagues and then wound up going full, you know, through the full cycle of his life and times and got into the Hall of Fame. It was quite a sensation. Um, the other cool thing that um, that happened to me in Cooperstown was you know, I keep very close tabs on the voting and the voting trends uh, with the, the people who are kind of the Steve Kornackis of Hall of Fame voting. Yeah. And they are always monitoring what's likely to happen. And so, um, you know, right up until the last day, based on which voters had made their ballots public on social media or by writing a column or whatever, um, it looked very unlikely that we were going to have anybody elected. And then, you know, I had a break in between shows uh, between about 4.30 that afternoon and 5.30 when, when we went back on. Um, and one of those people messaged me and said, if I were you, I, I would start getting ready a column that said, Scott Rollins getting elected because I don't know if he's getting elected, but mm -hmm. we've had some, we've had some trends in the ballots that were released today that make me think it's way more possible. Check with another uh, source of mine who's really good at this. And he concurred. He, he thought the chances of Scott Rowling getting elected had basically tripled during the day. And so went back on the set in the, right in the hall of fame gallery and back in caucus, the MLB network, they were they were kind of preparing people for nobody getting elected. And mm -hmm. then they came to us in Cooperstown. And I really had my Steve Kornacki moment where I, I said, I think there's a real chance that Scott Rowan could be elected tonight. And that's creating an incredible sense of drama right here in this hall. And so, you know, minutes later, they make the announcement, this guy <laughs> gets in and when they go back to the studio in Secaucus, Greg Amsinger says, how bad our man Jason Starr <laughs> called this? And it was cool. I never did that before. Yeah. Awesome. live TV, man. I love it. Love it. So I, I want to segue a little bit um, from the Hall of Fame to like great baseball movies. And that's that's a huge jump. But, uh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I want to... I know your time is precious, so I want I want to just talk to you a little bit about stuff that you don't necessarily talk about a lot. Is there is there a baseball movie that's your go to? I know Field of Dreams is is you know a lot of people's that's mine, but um, or a baseball character that you gravitate to. I know you were in a movie that I'd love you to talk about a little bit, but is there a go to? Spring training is around the corner. Uh, to kind of get you in the mood, although baseball is like 365 now, so it never goes away. Like yeah. I remember when I was a kid, baseball went away, 
but baseball doesn't go away ever. So I'm just curious, especially World Baseball Classic too. So like, um, but tell me. Well, I I love the emotion of Field of Dreams, and I, lo- I there's so much about it. Like I will stop and watch it if it's on. Um, I I I love the moment when Kevin Costner and James Earl Jones walk up the ramp at Fenway and the field opens up in front of them. Mm-hmm. And that feeling that comes over them is what comes over me every time I walk into that place. You know, that's a that's a real thing. And they captured that perfectly. Yeah. Uh, Bull Durham is the other one just because it's so perfect. The, mm-hmm. the dialogue is is so perfect. I, I mean, it, it sounds like baseball players talking um, on the bus, working on their cliches. <laughs> You know, <laughs> believe me, these guys have worked on their cliches, a lot of them. And so I, that part's real. Um, but I do need to put in a plug for the movie that I was in, which was Million Dollar Arm, uh, starring John Hamm, um, who was really fun to be around because he's a huge baseball fan. It's the story. This, this came out, um, I want to say 2014. It's a story. It's a true story um, of uh a, a, a an agent who decided he was going to do this thing where they were going to have a contest in India uh go to India find a kid who was the best prospect and give him a million dollars as it turned out they found two okay mm-hmm. but they so they brought these two kids to from the from India to the United States uh and got them signed by the pirates. So this, that part is all a true story. Okay. Um, so then I was asked if I would like to be an extra in that movie. There are a few of us. Ken Rosenthal was in it. Tom Berducci was in it. Bob Nightingale from USA Today. My friend Scott Miller, who works for the New York Times now. Um, Jeff Passan, now at ESPN. Yep. And they flew us to Atlanta, which was masquerading. One of the only, sorry to I cut think. you up, but one of the only reliable guys on Twitter I just want to throw that out, Jeff. <laughs> okay, well, Twitter thanks you for that. Um, so we, anyway, so we we flew to Atlanta to film our scene, which would take, by the way, 17 and a half hours to film wow. our scene. And uh, Atlanta was masquerading as Scottsdale, Arizona, where these these kids actually did throw in the parking lot of a mall. <laughs> Okay, in in Arizona, but we did that at a at a, at a strip center in Atlanta, and so we we all gather there the day before we're gonna do the filming, and then the PR the, the PR person who put this together for the for the film is gonna take us to dinner, and the producer Mark Chardy, a former big league pitcher, is gonna go with us, and so we 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 go to this steakhouse. And we're just kind of hanging out in our own little private room. I don't know why we needed a private room. But the next thing we know, John Hamm walks into this room and he walks right over to me and he says, sticks out his hand. He says, hey, Jason, I'm John. (laughs) And I was thinking, wait, what? (laughs) What just happened here? But, But John Hamm loves baseball, knew all about us. And so while... Technically, we were supposed to be at this dinner asking him to tell stories about this movie, him and Mark Chardy. In fact, he wanted to know everything we knew about baseball. Just he wanted to talk baseball. And so 
Um, the next day, uh, the, the the PR man told us, just so you guys know, like that never happens where the star of the film <laughs> comes and has dinner with the extras. Oh, I love but it. This guy loves baseball. His best friend growing up was Ted Simmons' son, you know, in St. Louis. Oh, get out of here. And he spent more time at Ted Simmons' house than he's been at his own house. So he just has this love of baseball. I think he still plays in a league, um, a baseball league. So I, that's my little uh, tale of brushing with John Hamm. I love it. Uh, he wrote a he he wrote a blurb for my Wild Pitches book. As a matter of fact, I love it. I love it. Um, before I let you go, um, I want to ask you uh, two things. One is w- with the season among us, uh, among us, almost happening. Um, what do you expect with with you know the there's no shift. Um, what do you expect us to see? And then um, just curious if. There's any because baseball's ever evolving. Is there any old school thing about baseball you miss? Any any rule that that's not around that you're like, ah, oh, I miss the intentional walk or or you know the four <laughs> pitches. I don't know. All right. Well, um, this spring training is going to be so wild because we've got all these new rules, and from the first game of spring training these rules are going to be strictly enforced and i promise you you are going to see things happen in baseball games that you've never seen happen in your life um you you're you're literally going to see uh some hitter get called out on strikes when he's not even in the batter's box (laughs) these (laughs) things are going to happen they happen in the early days of the fall league and i'm i'm i mean i'm I'm getting into Florida two days before the the game start because I'm going to be in position to watch this stuff carefully. I can't wait for all the craziness because people don't have their brains programmed to do the stuff that these rules, particularly the pitch clock and everything that goes with it, are going to require them to do. So watch out for that. As for the rule I miss, um, I understand all the reasons that, that we should have universal DH. I'll always miss pitchers hitting because I've gotten so much material out of it over the years. And, you know, Doug Lanville and I just had Adam Wainwright on our Starkville podcast this week. And one of the ways I've been trying to lure Adam onto the podcast is to tell him this will be the, the beginning of your campaign to get an at bat and maybe many at bats <laughs> this year because he loves to hit so much. That worked, by the way. He came right on. We talked about hitting for way too long. <laughs> yeah. So if Adam Wainwright bats this year, he will hear from me. I promise. I I heard that, by the way. I, I heard that. Um, and, the, and the thing is, uh, it really, as a Met fan, um, Adam, Adam Wainwright will always be associated with with, <laughs> with, with the Carlos Beltran at bat. And it really sucks that he's such a nice guy. And you can tell that he's a nice guy and has had such a great career because you really want to just hate him as a Met fan. And, and I do, but he seems like such a great guy and what a career he's had. Yeah. Um, but uh, he has more fun playing baseball than just about anybody that I've ever run across. And that takes yeah. up a lot of, that takes up a lot of players. Yeah. Yeah. Jason, I know you have to go, but I want to thank you. Uh, it, it's always great to 
interact with you on any level whatsoever about uh baseball or Tony Stark or whatever. <laughs> John, I really enjoyed it. I'm glad this worked out. Yeah, thank you. I'll let you oh. go. It's a pleasure. Right, man. Enjoy it. Right. Thanks, Jason. All the best. See ya. All right. Take care.